This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. We begin with breaking news and the heartbreaking end of the search for a missing plane. It disappeared yesterday en route from Calgary to Nanaimo, the Cessna located near Hope, and we learned just an hour ago there are no survivors. Ted Chernecki reports. These are the spots that are giving us clues as to where the best place to look is. It's a missing plane, but one with a lot of technology on board that has made it relatively easy for search and rescue to know where to look. That coupled with our radar hits, uh, our cooperation with the cell phone providers, it's mean, it means that this is a tiny search area comparative to some other searches that we've done. But even the best technology can't necessarily penetrate the weather, and it's that same weather that's been hampering the search effort all day. The Cessna 182 is registered to one Kenneth Umbach. On board with them was Terry Stewart. They departed Springbank Airport just west of Calgary, bound for Nanaimo. The cloud cover's been quite low. It's been low over the Coquihalla. There's been rain, and it's just not been safe to have crews try to penetrate that cloud because there are such high mountain peaks in the area. Because they have a pretty good idea where the plane is, a ground search had been in operation up until late this afternoon when the weather lifted a little, enough to get a helicopter in the air. Soon after that, Comox Search and Rescue tweeted out that JRCC Victoria confirms it has found the missing Cessna 182 aircraft and the two people on board. Our thoughts are with the loved ones of the two individuals. The wreckage was found 17 nautical miles northeast of Hope. Quote, this case has been passed to the BC Coroner Service and BC RCMP. Ted Chernecki, Global News. In other news this evening, a former Vancouver police officer on the wrong side of the law was in a Surrey courtroom today for a sentencing hearing on sex-related charges. Global's Jill Bennett is live in Surrey, and Jill, one of the charges involves someone under the age of 18. Chris, the offenses date back to 2015, and at that time, one of the victims was 17 years old. In court today at the sentencing hearing, we learned new details about the charges of breach of trust and sexual exploitation, charges that former officer Jim Fisher has entered a guilty plea to. This should have been Jim Fisher's 30th year on the Vancouver Police Force. Instead, he's in court for a sentencing hearing after pleading guilty to breach of trust and sexual exploitation. The victims, says Crown, the very people he was paid to protect. The Crown is seeking a uh, custodial sentence of 18 to 20 months to be followed by uh, two to three years of probation. This is a global sentence which would account for uh, all of the three informations charged that the accused is facing. In August 2015, Fisher met with a 17-year-old girl in his car and the two kissed. Crown and Defence agree this happened two more times, one of the kissing sessions lasting about 10 minutes. The two had met earlier when the victim was a witness in a high-profile sexual exploitation case. What we saw is that Jim Fisher took advantage of his considerable position of trust, um, that even though these were just 
kissing offences, in the words of the Crown, that they impacted the victims greatly. In a victim impact statement, the second victim wrote she first met Fisher when she was an underage sex worker. Fisher led the investigation into her pimp. She was a witness in another high-profile case. She called Fisher a father figure and talked about relapsing into drug use after he kissed her. When Vancouver police started investigating the allegations, both victims became paid police agents. Their phone calls recorded. During a call with the first victim, Fisher says, I've never done anything like this before. I don't really have an explanation. I never planned it out or wanted it to happen. It just kind of happened. And I really, really regret it, especially if it made you feel this way. You've been working so hard to improve your life, and you don't need something like this to F it up. Sorry. Mr. Fisher, is there anything you wanted to say outside of court, repeating your apology or anything else? Thank you. In court, Fisher offered a lengthy apology, saying to everyone he has hurt, he's both ashamed and embarrassed. And defense spent much of the afternoon going over Jim Fisher's decorated career with the VPD, also his community involvement. Defense is asking for the mandatory 90-day prison term to be served intermittently, as well as a conditional sentence. This case will be back in court in Surrey in July, on July 16th. Chris? Jill Bennett in Surrey. Thank you, Jill. Another Vancouver police officer will be in court next month to face a charge of assault causing bodily harm. Constable Ken Stanworth is charged in connection with an incident on March 1, 2016 in downtown Vancouver where a man suffered serious injuries during an arrest. The B.C. Prosecution Service isn't releasing any other details. A warning tonight, new developments involving a woman once convicted of killing her pets and who admitted to fantasizing about murdering a homeless person. B.C. Corrections is warning she's moving to Surrey, and Global's Romina Dea is in our newsroom with the details. Romina, this was a particularly disturbing case. Chris, Kayla Bork has been described as a sociopath and psychopath in court. She was released from prison back in 2015 when she moved to New Westminster. Now Surrey will be her new home. B.C. Corrections says the 28-year-old is a high-risk violent offender. Bork was convicted for dismembering her cat and dog. According to previous court evidence, the former SFU criminology student told a classmate she fantasized about killing a homeless person and she was studying forensics so she could evade police. While Bork is living in Surrey, she's supposed to abide by 43 court-ordered conditions, including... She can't be out between 10 p.m. and 6 a.m., no contact with anyone under 18. She's supposed to stay away from public places, including schools and parks, no internet access, no possession of weapons or any device that can be used to restrain a person, no possession of disguises or needles, and no animals. Bork is also banned from any campus or property connected to SFU because of what I mentioned happened on campus. Correction says Bork will be subject to highly intensive monitoring. Her exact location has not been released because of privacy laws. If you see her in violation of her conditions, Chris, you're supposed to call police immediately. Back to you. All right. Thanks very much, Ramina. Well, a 10-year-old Maple Ridge boy is recovering in hospital after being shot. RCMP officers have spent the day in the 24,000 block of 110th Avenue investigating the incident, which happened yesterday afternoon. At this point, they're not saying exactly what happened or where the victim was shot, other than it was an isolated incident and there is no threat to public safety. They are asking for any witnesses to come forward. 
The owners of a B.C. fish farm are under fire after one of their boats was caught on video sailing where it shouldn't have been. As Nadia Stewart reports, the boat's accused of getting too close to a pot of orcas. And the uh, boat's running right over top of them. It happened in the waters near Muir's Island in Clayoquot Sound on June 26th. The cell phone video shot by Oren Lawson, a whale watching tour operator, who says this commercial fishing vessel, the Donalax, is about to sail right over top a pod of transient orcas. I called them on Channel 16, the Coast Guard Channel. They responded and uh, I recommended that they either change course or slow the boat down. But the vessel did not change course and that's what has Lawson and many others so upset. Uh, the captain of the vessel proceeded to basically continue at his, you know, at his speed, at his his current bearing and, and ran right over top of the killer whales and it was a hard a hard scene to watch. The orcas resurfaced a few minutes later. Still upset over the incident, industry operators sent a letter with 70 signatures to the Department of Fisheries and Oceans saying the fishing vessel should have been at least 100 meters away from the whales. That vessel was was much closer than that and actually went right over top of them. He could have definitely slowed down or at least gone into neutral and, and waited it out. In this particular case, I, I believe that they entered into a confined space. And Rocky Boschman is the managing director of Greek Seafood, the company that owns the vessel. He says the captains were navigating a narrow space, and both Boschman and DFO say the situation was handled well, given the circumstances. There were whales uh, to one side of the vessel, and there were vessels uh, to the other side of the of the ship, the Donlock, as it came into this area, and. Uh, the DFO and the crew feel at no time did they endanger either wildlife or other vessels. Both Lawson and Robertson disagree, saying what happened here was a close call, and the DFO should treat it that way. This is what's going down out here. Maybe you should allocate more resources to having people on the water, more eyes, because there's very little enforcement. Nadia Stork, Global News. As expected, ferry travel has been a hurry-up-and-wait situation today. Any advice to anyone who might be traveling today? <laughs> Stay home, man. <laughs> At least he can laugh about it. Repairs on the coastal inspiration, which usually does the Horseshoe Bay Nanaimo route, are taking longer than expected. So Ferries is down to one of its big ships this weekend. They say anyone without a reservation should try walking on or going for an early morning sailing. Some reservations have also been canceled, forcing those people to wait just like everyone else. But first, in a province facing a critical shortage of daycare spaces, it's the last thing parents want to see. A Richmond daycare we reported on earlier this week is shutting down, having failed to find a new location after its current one was sold for redevelopment. As John Waugh reports, one Richmond councillor is now proposing a new bylaw that could dramatically change the rules. And let's see if you can sit nice and tall with good posture. For 21 years, Debbie Moret has shaped young minds. Now the teacher is being forced to pack that all away into a plastic box. It's going to be very, very difficult to leave this classroom. The low-cost preschool in Richmond was told in October the church that owned the land sold it off to a foreign investor. A new international school would be built and time has run out for Blue Spruce Montessori. I know parents are still struggling. Some have found, but we all know in our hearts that it's not the same. Probably going to put a bit of bubble wrap around it. Moret says high rent and zoning red tape in Richmond has made finding a new location impossible. 
so the new home of her life's work will be a 250-square-foot storage unit she can no longer afford. Something that I have poured my heart and soul into and that I've loved every minute of can just be gone like that. When Global News first raised the issue, the province said it was looking for answers. Three weeks later, the same options. Like a relocation grant that doesn't help because there's nowhere to go. It is shutting down, everything's getting boxed up. So if the NDP government is going to come and ride in and help Debbie and help these kids, they have failed. This box here. Moret says the province can't protect existing childcare spaces by just throwing money at the problem. The province doesn't really understand from a frontline perspective what the challenges are out there. One Richmond councillor wants to create a bylaw, making it the buyer's responsibility to find a new location. You ask for increased density, this is the price of increased density. You find a place for them. That's from that shelf. Even if the bylaw passed, it's too late to protect Moret, who's trying not to pack up the hope a new place might be found sometime soon. John Hua, Global News. The provincial capital is making a big move to help the environment this Canada Day. Starting July 1st, single-use plastic bags will be banned at all Victoria checkouts. But, as Richard Zussman reports, Vancouver shoppers may soon need their reusable bags as well. At the Fairway Market in Victoria, it's a familiar routine. Groceries through the cash and straight into a plastic bag. But starting on Canada Day, those bags are banned. Our staff have been chatting it up with the customers. Most of them have been uh, very uh, receptive of this. They understand, they know it's coming. Stores will still be allowed to bag using the existing stock, but once they're gone, no more. And the goal is to get customers to bring their own bags right away. It's not easy habit actually, but I think we have to start from some point. Across the street, Courtside Sports has been informing their customers for months the change is coming but they're still expecting some customer frustration. We have to be responsible citizens. If we need a kick in the pants to be made into responsible citizens, then so be it. On Sunday, this city will become the biggest in British Columbia with a bylaw restricting these bags in favor of these reusable bags. But the city of Victoria is also pushing the provincial government to consider getting rid of these entirely province-wide. It's unnecessary waste, so we have about 17 million plastic bags in the landfill every year, just from the city of Victoria alone. But the Retail Council of Canada has concerns about Victoria's bylaw. Starting in January, retailers must charge $2 for a reusable bag, a cost that will be passed on to customers. Retailers are very customer sensitive, and that increase in cost to consumers is a bit disappointing. The Retail Council is hoping Victoria would skip from banning just plastic bags to restricting all plastics, something Vancouver could do as early as next year, meaning these bags could one day be just a distant memory, not just in Victoria. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. The manager at a popular Vancouver restaurant is out of a job tonight, all because of a spat over a red hat. When a customer came in sporting the controversial Trump campaign slogan, Make America Great Again, the employee refused service. And as Kristen Robinson reports, now the debate over acceptable attire and discipline is really heating up. The Tea House restaurant nestled in Vancouver's Stanley Park and U.S. President Donald Trump. The two worlds colliding in late June. We will make America great again. 
Darren Hodge opening up on Facebook about how he told a young American wearing a Make America Great Again hat to take it off if he wanted to dine at the tea house. Hodge's actions cost him his job as restaurant manager. Free speech in the United States, you need to let him wear the hat. Well, I am very anti-Trump, so I would... <laughs> Also, to get that hat off. Plus, who wears a hat inside going into a restaurant? That's rude. I don't like Donald Trump either, but um, I think free speech is really important. The tea house's parent company says the employee was fired because he is expected to abide by and promote our company's philosophy of tolerance and respect when representing our restaurant. Employment lawyer Leah Moody says neither party appears to be in the wrong. The manager could very well have been within his right to ask the customer to remove his hat and to deny service on that basis. Equally, the employer could have been well within their rights to terminate as long as the termination was what we call without cause, which means that the employee would have been provided with a full severance for his termination. Hodge telling Global News it was worth it. The mega hat has come to symbolize racism, bigotry, Islamophobia, misogyny, white supremacy, homophobia. As a person with a strong moral backbone, I had to take a stand against this guest's choice of headwear while in my former place of work. Absolutely no regrets. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Busy start to the long weekend over at the Tawasson Ferry Terminal. The 7 p.m. to Swartz Bay is full. You'll have to wait for the 8 o'clock, which is already half capacity. 7.05 to Southern Gulf Islands is 90% full. The 8.15 to Duke Point is sold out. You'll have to wait for the 10.45, and it's already at three-quarters capacity. Looking for a professional-grade truck during GMC's Truck Nation event? Get up to $12,000 in total savings on the 2018 Sierra. Visit gmcoffers.ca. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Tawasson Ferry Terminal. A 19-year-old man from Texas is facing a number of felony charges after intentionally driving his truck into a Walmart, and he didn't stop there. Once inside, he drove into a number of displays before exiting the store and then leading police on a brief chase before being detained. Luckily, no one was injured. Well, we are learning more details tonight about the man behind that deadly shooting in a Maryland newsroom. And while there are hints of a motive, Investigators are still trying to piece together what drove the man to kill five innocent people. Police say Jared Ramos blasted his way into the newsroom of the Capitol Gazette Thursday afternoon, armed with a 12-gauge pump-action shotgun after first barricading the back door exit. Anthony Messenger, in his first month as an intern, hid under a desk, terrified when that door wouldn't open. I don't know how he locked it, but at that point, I felt like a fish in a barrel. It was like... He's here to do harm to us. This was a plan. It's calculated. And at that point, I thought we were going to die. After five people were fatally shot, police closed in and found Ramos hiding under a desk. But for hours after arresting him and walking him out of the newspaper office captured on this cell phone video, they had no idea who he was. He said almost nothing. So they used the state's facial recognition system to identify him, leading to a search of his apartment where investigators say they found signs that he planned the attack well in advance. I'll say this, the fellow was there to kill as many people as he could kill. Ramos was no stranger to the newspaper. Police and court records say he'd been raging about it for seven years, ever since a story accurately described his 2011 conviction for stalking, harassing a woman he knew in high school, calling her vulgar names online, and trying to get her fired when she stopped responding to him. The newspaper story said she lived in fear for her safety for months. 
Today, the woman says she told the police back then, quote, he will be your next mass shooter. He also began posting threats against the Capital Gazette. The paper complained to police who concluded there wasn't enough evidence to arrest him. But a former publisher says the paper's staff considered him dangerous. He had a photo taken of him, made sure our front desk was aware that he could come in at any moment and that my staff was aware of what he looked like. An officer in Florida experiences the power of Mother Nature firsthand. Lightning strikes just a few meters away from the cop as he gets out of his cruiser. The strike knocked out power to the nearby police station and damaged many electrical transformers in the area. The officer walked away shaken but uninjured. A reminder to stay indoors or at least in your vehicle when storms are underway. And some pictures out of Colorado tonight that tug at your heart. This orphaned bear cub was rescued by firefighters battling a massive wildfire near Durango. She's being treated for severe burns on her feet, and veterinarians are cautiously optimistic about her recovery. In Health Matters tonight, there will be more than 100 athletes competing at the Canadian Transplant Games at UBC next week, and cheering from the sidelines will be dozens of living donors. Kate Chong is one of BC's athletes competing in her first transplant games. Her life actually is full of firsts. 18 days after her first anniversary, her new husband donated one of his kidneys to her. And of the more than 300 kidney transplants done in B.C. last year, 100 were living donors. Lynn Collier reports. So we have metoprolol, 25 milligrams twice daily. Yes, That's absolutely. your blood pressure medication? It is, yes. This is Kate Chong's and new normal. She takes five different drugs twice a day and will for the rest of her life. Mycophenolate. At the age of 25, she was suddenly diagnosed with chronic kidney disease. What's quite common with kidney disease, it is called the silent killer because it's usually not picked up until when you're quite a bit further along. Kate was living with kidneys that were functioning at just 13%. Medication kept her going. She got married. In their first year as husband and wife, Kate's doctors told her to start looking for a living donor. Her kidneys were shutting down. Family and friends were tested and cross-matched, and it turned out her partner in life was the one. You know, he had to take a little bit to think about it because it was a pretty, it was a major life event. And who knew that my husband would be the person that, you know, could donate a kidney to me. 18 days after their first wedding anniversary, Kate received one of her husband's kidneys. 550 people are currently waiting for a kidney in B.C. Last year, more than 300 kidney transplants happened. 100 of those came from living donors. Well, the quality of life improves. For many people, you know, a, a, a new lease on life, a second beginning. Before her kidney transplant, Kate tired easily. Her legs were swollen. She couldn't get out and do the things she'd always loved. You know, fast forward to now, we're nine and a half months post-surgery, and I have more energy than, you know, probably more energy than I was in my mid-20s <laughs> before I was diagnosed. By a month or so, people are saying, I want to go back to work. <laughs> Can I go to the gym? Can I, you know, and, uh, if anything, we have sort of have to hold them back. There's no holding Kate back. She's training for two events in her first transplant games in Vancouver. More than 100 athletes from around the world will be competing, cheered on by living donors and donors' families. And your husband will be there cheering you on? He will be. He's actually volunteering for both the events, so I'm sure I'll hear, keep going, Kate, on the sidelines. <laughs> so I know he'll be my number one supporter. 
Lynn Collier, Global News. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. We all know walking to work is a great way to stay healthy, but that's not the only reason one SFU prof chose to do it. 16 years ago, he decided to leave the car at home and has made the trek every workday since. Aaron MacArthur explains his motivation and how his steps have really added up. Dr. Andrew Rovich certainly takes the path less traveled to work. The engineering professor walks out his front door and onto the trails leading up to SFU. It's a route he has walked so many times he's worn out the grass in places. It all started in August of 2002 when he got a parking ticket. And then I started thinking, oh, I don't want to, to let them actually do such things to me. So, so I decided to start walking. Monday to Friday, every day for the last 16 years, Rovich has racked up so many steps, he's walked the equivalent of 40,070 kilometers, or once around the globe. He's also put in some serious vertical, 300 meters to the top of SFU. He's racked up 4,000 trips, or 1.2 million meters. That's about 136 times to the top of Mount Everest. Sometimes, you know, I had, I had sore feet, so I, why am I doing it? And then I thought uh, maybe I could do something uh, or, or, or figure out some, some real, you know, this depth philosophical reason for this. Rain or shine, even snow days, he walks. When the buses can't get up the hill, he puts on crampons. His only expense to get to work are two new pairs of boots every year. He's even convinced other staff to commit to green commuting. Another thing that I wanted to advise most of people actually to do this, because otherwise the healthcare system will go bankrupt. <laughs> the 68-year-old professor will keep walking until he retires, and then his sights are set on a much less ambitious goal, learning to fly. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. <laughs> Why is this woman crying and clinging to the railing? After the forecast, we'll show you why a lot of people might do the same. Well, Squire is not going to like this at all. Uh, before we get to that, though, Yvonne Shell is in for Christy tonight uh, on a look at the long weekend forecast. Yvonne? There are a few breaks in our long weekend forecast. Today it was a cool one. We've got a few breaks right now in the cloud. But we are going to still see a chance of showers this evening, and we, are we do look at some rain pushing in for tomorrow. More in just a moment. A cool one today with only 17 as the high average for this time of the year sits at 21 degrees. Official sunset this evening will be at 922. Highs today for the piece up to 19 degrees, similar for Revelstoke. The Soyuz today up to 25 degrees, Victoria at 16, and areas near Lillooet closer to 23. Current temperature for Whistler at 15, similar for Victoria. Bella Coola currently sitting at 16 degrees, and Kamloops at 19 degrees. We still have a few isolated showers along the island. It'll pick up, though, especially by the morning hours for tomorrow. This is the next wave of moisture that we're keeping a close eye on. But for this evening, for the southern interior, and pushing into the southeastern corners of the province, lots of instability, even though 
the risk of a thunderstorm. Here's what we are seeing. Evening and overnight, a chance of showers by tomorrow morning. That's that moisture that's going to push in. It'll be rainfall for a Saturday morning, easing off by the afternoon. We'll be in between systems on our Sunday, so a few breaks in the cloud and a chance of showers, especially late in the day. The next weather maker will be Sunday and leading in towards our Monday. That's a much cooler day if you are making plans for the weekend and likely the wetter day will be on our Monday. Breaks once again will be on our Sunday. Here's a look at the northern half of the province. Prince Rupert tomorrow on and off showers in 14 degrees. A risk of a thunderstorm will be for the northeastern corners, similar across the central interior. Quinell tomorrow with a high of around 16 degrees. And pushing into the Columbia, we are looking at a risk of a thunderstorm. Most areas across the tops in Okanagan, it's a chance of showers. That'll be for the late afternoon. Whistler, a cool one. Rain for the morning hours, 15 degrees. Hope we'll see a round of rain with a high of 16. And it's rain right across the south coast, developing for the morning and then tapering off. And then on our Sunday for our Canada Day forecast, we'll see a mainly cloudy sky. Temperatures will be up to 20 degrees. There's a few bright spots, but it's a chance of showers, especially for the afternoon. And then as we get in towards the evening hours on our Monday, it's a cool and as well. Temperatures will be at 17 degrees and quite unsettled Tuesday, Wednesday. Tomorrow, wet one, a few fog patches for the morning hours and then a few breaks on our Sunday. Tonight's weather window, a great shot sent in from Carmen from Whistler. And this is a great start to our long weekend. Chris. It sure is. Happy Canada Day to Carmen and everyone else. Thanks very much, Yvonne. Well, here's a new way to face your fear of heights, but no guarantee that you'll be able to conquer them. <laughs> it's a vertigo-inducing glass bridge that just opened this week in South China. The over 200-meter-long glass structure stretches out to a massive circular observation deck providing spectacular views of the valley and waterfalls below. This new attraction shatters records, making it the world's biggest and highest glass construction. But officials say no need to panic. Each piece of glass was built to hold the weight of two vehicles. So no humans will fall through, you can assume. Who is that dude going by in the wire? There's a zip line there, too, wow. just in case uh, walking out on that is not thrilling enough for you. I guess. It offers it all. Squire, would you do it? You're not into the house. There's absolutely no way I do it. I don't care what they say. Oh, we put two cars on it, won't break. Yeah, when I go on it, it'll break. No. All right. Uh, Whitecaps coach has a job to do, keeping all these young discipline issues. Reina on the red card. He's not going to play Sunday. Now we learn Kristen Teixeira is not going to play Sunday because the Whitecaps have been told that Teixeira has been suspended three games for offensive language that he used in the Whitecaps' last contest against Philadelphia. Now, he would have said this in Spanish because he doesn't really speak much English at all, but the MLS doesn't tolerate insults in any language, obviously. So he's out against Colorado on Sunday and the two games after that. But Kendall Waston back in town from the World Cup, where, of course, he scored for Costa Rica, and he might play on Sunday. Oh, speaking of the Whitecaps, midfielder Alfonso Davies will be part of the MLS All-Star team which is going to play Juventus in October, August 1st in Atlanta. 17 years old, he'll be the youngest player on the team, fourth youngest ever to play in the MLS All-Star game. He uh, leads the MLS in successful dribbles and is tied for third in assists. And as we said, Sunday, Colorado, and he will play. He's not suspended. When free agency starts on Sunday, the Canucks won't be getting any big dogs, but they might go and get a beagle. Jay Beagle, who just won the Stanley Cup with Washington, is a guy the Canucks are thinking seriously about. He is more of a third or fourth line kind of forward, but he can play a defensive role. 
Very similar to Brandon Sutter. Actually, I wonder, although I don't think this will happen, but if they do sign Beagle, that might free them up to trade Sutter. A lot of teams have been asking about Sutter in recent weeks. Now, Beagle, better known, as we said, as a defensive player. You can see here, diving to stop a shot for Washington. His real strength is face-offs. He was one of the better face-off men in the league this past season. Good penalty killer. Isn't young. He's 32. Doesn't score a lot, but he's not going to cost a lot of money either. Last year, he made $1.75 million with the champs. Lions in Edmonton tonight. That game will start in about 15 minutes. BC is coming off a bye week early in the season. Something you would think might make them a bit rusty for tonight's game, which is against a good team, but Solomon Alamimian thinks not playing last week actually wasn't a bad thing. It's early bye week, so you take advantage of it by getting, you know, physically prepared, but also mentally prepared. You know, the stuff that we've been around here, it's been tough, but it, it's been tough on the mind, and that's good because when the fourth quarter comes, when the game's online, we're, we're confident that we'll be ready, um, ready for it. LeBron James has told the Cavs he will become a free agent. Now, that doesn't mean he won't re-sign with Cleveland. He might, but now he can listen to all the other offers, and there will be teams going after him. Philadelphia and the Lakers are really interested. Now, the Lakers would need more than LeBron James to be contenders, but L.A. has a lot of salary cap space to go after other free agents as well. Quicken Loans, round two. Tiger, this is his ninth hole. Now, yesterday he was even par. Today, he was five under par, and his putter was working better. This is a new putter for him. Not the old Scotty Cameron he's been using forever, it seems. Uh, he's at five under. There's a three-way tie for the lead at minus nine, so he's four back, and Adam Hadwin made the cut at plus one. Speaking of Canadians, Brooke Henderson at the uh, Women's PGA Championship. This is on 18. Deadeye. She's at minus six, tied for the lead shot of the day. Angel Yin standing in the lake. Down the uh, shaft of the club, almost on the metal. Choking up, chipping. Yes, sometimes it pays to get wet. That's in. That's an eagle. Two under par after 36. When North Vancouver's Jackson Spencer headed to Ottawa's Carleton University four years ago, he hoped to bring home a degree. Now, he did accomplish that, but it's also where he took up powerlifting. And today, at the age of 22, he's a world champion. 777 pounds here. Wow. Whoa, and he has it, smiling already. Jackson Spencer is now a world champion powerlifter. He won the title earlier this month in Calgary in the junior class, which is for lifters under 23 years old. It's a rapid rise to the top for a guy who just took up the sport four years ago. But he quickly realized he was willing to give up plenty to give powerlifting a serious shot. You can't go out on weekends. You have to limit your drinking, your activities, your hiking, your, your, you know, your other extracurricular activities. You have to eat a lot, you have to sleep a lot. Basically, Spencer's life the past four years has been school and training. He hired a coach, hit the gym hard, and the results came fast and furious. It kind of sneaks up on you, right? Like, I never expected to win my first national championship, but I did. I never expected to come second at the first world championship that I went to, but I did. And then the ball like kind of kept rolling. He was runner-up again at his second Worlds, but then it all came together in Calgary. It was dedication, great coaching, and a culture that really seemed to fit his personality. 
and no junior 120 has ever totaled what Jackson Spencer has just done. The community of people that you train with and you hang out with and you support and you go to different powerlifting competitions and you cheer them on and you, um, you watch as other people get stronger, you get stronger yourself, that is also a very important aspect of powerlifting and I'm sure without the friends that I made along the way, I wouldn't be here today. Powerlifting has pretty much consumed Jackson's life the past four years, so now that he's got that world title, it's time to get on with his life. He's back home in North Vancouver, spending more time with friends and with an eye on law school in the near future. Powerlifting is on the back burner, but still carrying plenty of weight in his life. I want to remain involved in the powerlifting community, you know, go to meets to volunteer, uh, which is a very important aspect of the sport. I coach lifters. I want to be a part of the international team, coaching, helping other people experience the success that I did. So, I mean, I'm not done with powerlifting, uh, but I'm done with uh, training for the moment. Very Delay Global Sports. Excellent. He could bench press you and I both. He could he could curl me. <laughs> that might be true. <laughs> it would, I would I would my body weight would not be a challenge for that man. All right, this week's edition of Satellite Debris still to come, and right now here's Kasha Badurka with five things to do on Canada Day long weekend. Kasha. Well, put on the red and white and join in the fun. These are your five things for Canada Day. The biggest party by far is at Canada Place. In fact, it's the largest in the country outside of the nation's capital. Expect a wide range of entertainment, food trucks, a picnic plaza with family-friendly activities and more. Global BC will be on site for the news hour and the day ends off with a spectacular fireworks show carried live on BC One. If you don't want to head downtown, how about the Tri-Cities? Coquitlam Celebrates Canada Day is known for its diverse live entertainment, ethnic and local food, and multicultural activities. And yes, there will be fireworks. Bring the kids to Granville Island to cheer on the Canada Day Parade. Then stick around for the ceremonies and celebrations. And indulge in Canada Day cake. For a more carnival-like vibe, head to the False Creek Community Center. Enjoy carnival games, a bouncy castle, kids' entertainment, a barbecue, and kayaking demos. Canada Day in Williams Lake is celebrated in true cowboy style. Every year, visitors from far and wide enjoy four action-packed days at the world-famous Williams Lake Stampede. Take in the rodeo, entertainment, and all the events at the grounds. Head to globalnews.ca slash five things for more. Five Things to Do is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners. Plus, get the best roadside assistance. Canada Day version of Satellite Debris. There may be no connection, but I said it anyway. And Memories of Uncle Drew. Yes, which is a movie out right now. Mm -hmm. Kyrie Irving for Pepsi a few years ago dressed up as an old man, played some street ball. No one knew who he was. Uh, Sean Garnier, who is a, a soccer ball trick artist, did the same thing, dressed up as an old man, went to a street ball event, and here's what happened. Well, now, enjoy how he fooled everybody. Thinking, oh, it's just some old dude out here. He can't do anything. His best days are behind him. Oh, yeah? Think again, kids. Because in reality, he's only 34. I'm not sure if they ever caught on. Sean <laughs> Garnier, but they caught on that this man has mad skills. And that's with a Z on the end of skills, I might add. Check this out. The no look. No look. I'm not going to look. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> wow. Ah. And then the goal with a little pant drop. 
Yeah, you better pull those up. And whoop, the, the back of the net. Brilliant. A little dance. In Philadelphia, 10-year-old James Payne decides to play catch with the guy whose uniform he's wearing, Yankees outfielder Aaron Judge. Gold glove! Woo! Aaron Judge might forget this, but I guarantee you James will never forget this as long as he lives. Cool it's moment. on video too. All right, uh, a couple of commercials to show you. One from uh, Nick Nicotet Nicotel, something like that, and New York Lottery. Here we go. Honey, hmm? I just won, and I hit one million dollar scratch off. Oh, you couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. You couldn't hit a pinata with your eyes open. You couldn't hit your way out of a paper bag. Oh, you finally hit something. You could hit a little or you could hit a big. Play the new hit series of scratch-offs from the New York Lottery and let the hits begin. Sacrifice a cigarette and get your own action figure. How? Well, when you go to parties, you always smoke a cigarette. But if you don't smoke that cigarette, you no longer have to stand outside. When you no longer have to stand outside, you dance, but not very well. When you dance, but not very well, you use moves you saw in a kung fu film. When you use moves you saw in a kung fu film, you appear on kung fu blogs. When you appear on kung fu blogs, you become a kung fu legend. And when you become a kung fu legend, you get your own action figure. So, replace those cigarettes you know you can do without with Nick Tunnell. Because great things can happen when you sacrifice a cigarette. Nicotinelle, yes. That's what it is. Okay, so a couple of strange ones. Weed thins and Corona light. <laughs> Adios. <laughs> Corona light. Ditch the herd. No way. Come on. Come on. Yes. No way. Yes. Yes. Oh. Corona light. Ditch the herd. Ed? Run, Ed, run! Corona light. Ditch the herd. It's called cognitive release, John. The memory overrides the other senses and, in effect, starts calling the shots. Dr. Bellows is saying is, if you want to get better, you've got to let it go. You can't eat wheat thins, John. You're a puppet. And nothing's going to change that. John? 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 Wheat thins. That one is one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, wheat thins always come strong. They do. Yeah, the, uh, they do. the Yeti in the kitchen one. That was a yeah, very good. Yeah, another, <laughs> another great one. Okay, uh, we're gonna sign off. Looks like some sunshine on uh, Canada Day. Happy Canada Day. Hope you enjoy it, and we'll see you back here later. Thanks.